0: Congresswoman Ann Wagner has established herself as a political powerhouse throughout the show-me state. And this year, she's probably facing her biggest challenge as an elected official, her re-election campaign in the 2nd Congressional District against Democratic State Senator Jill Shoup. Wagner joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about the big issues defining this high-profile campaign and why she deserves another two years in office. Let's hit the Music is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. I'm here in Baldwin, Missouri with our very special guest, the Congresswoman for Missouri's 2nd Congressional District.
1: Great to be with you, Jason. Thanks for making the trek out here to my uh, to my home today. Uh, I know we were both masked and being as careful as we possibly we can. So if we if I, if we both sound a little muffled, uh, you know, we're just we're just making sure that we're safe. So. That
0: that's Congresswoman Ann Wagner doing the the we are masked disclaimer for <laughs> us. Um, you know. You've been around Republican politics for a long time. Did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you would be running in a nationally targeted congressional race in a district that includes Western St. Louis County, St. <laughs> St. Charles and Jeffco?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'll i say this. This is a competitive race and uh, we have seen that um, move over over time. And this is one of those suburban districts that the the, the Democrats believe that they have a right to. And I believe that we as a Republican Party, if we're going to be a majority party, have to fight for uh, to, to represent the suburbs, to represent their values, their priorities. Um, that's why I started the Suburban Caucus. And we lost 30 suburban seats last time around in the last election that looked just like this one. So. Uh, they're dumping boatloads of money into this race and doing whatever they can to, to try and take us down. But I but I like a competitive race. I'm, I'm proud to run on my record of, of representing the values of folks in in the second congressional district and the policies and the issues that I believe are important to them. I, I started the Suburban Caucus just this last Congress. Uh, there are 33 members. We have a number of task forces that are dealing with issues like pre-existing condition and affordable access to health care, public safety, um, letting folks keep more of their hard-earned money, uh, child care and paid family leave issues, transportation infrastructure, lifelong learning, a lot of these kinds of issues that are so very, very important. So I um, you know, as I said, this is an important time. I believe that that this district deserves someone who represents their values. And I think there's a stark difference between myself and my opponent, Jill Shoup, who has a 20-year political record um, from literally the school board to the city council to state representative to now state senator. 20 years. I'm just finishing up year eight here in in, uh, in, in Congress, and I believe I've been effective. And what's important here is to have a member of Congress uh, who can actually not just work across party lines, but get things done. I work for my constituents, and, uh, and I fight on their, on their behalf. Uh, I am the only uh, person in this race running for Congress that has actually had 10 pieces of legislation signed into law by both President Obama and by President Trump. A third of the bills that I've I've authored authored in the United States House of Representatives have been have passed the U.S. House. And of you don't count like
0: putting an amendment on that's a bill right. because that's what she says. She, that's right. Her ideas were put onto other bills that so, have passed. So
1: so I, I you know I've co-sponsored well over a thousand pieces of legislation, Jason. Okay, and had numerous amendments put onto. Um, uh, onto the pieces of le- legislation, two very key ones that I authored on, on, on the Violence Against Women's Act that were very important and near to dear and dear to me. Um, so anybody can do that. Uh, she'll say she can't do it because it's a Republican legislature. I can tell you I've passed bills that I authored when Republicans had the majority and when Democrats had the majority. So what's important here is that you have somebody who's effective, who can get things done, uh, and as I said, is going to represent um, their values and not, I-, I believe, the kind of the radical extreme left ideas of, um, uh, that the Democrat Party has lurched to here over time.
0: So this is not going to be a 35-minute show asking you to respond to everything Donald Trump has said or done. I think that would be kind of boring and dry. But I think the reason this race is competitive is that a lot of voters, especially in Western and Central St. Louis County, have been repelled by a lot of things the president has said and done, whether it be not committing to the peaceful transfer of power during the next election or some of his antics after he was diagnosed with COVID-19 or just some of the things he says or tweets, for example. And no matter what you say or do, I think if people vote against him, they may vote against you because they see you as one and the same. How do you deal with that sort of dynamic?
1: Well, we're not one and the same. We're not, and I believe that that especially in congressional districts like mine, with legislators like mine that are willing to be effective and get things done and reach across the aisle, uh, we have a, 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 a extreme difference, certainly in tenor, in tone. In in tweet storms and you know look at the shiny object over here. I don't get distracted by that. Um, I do believe that his policies, many and most of his policies, have been very very sound uh, for the United States of America. The tax cut and jobs act that would be immediately repealed by a Biden administration, as supported by a Jill Shoup, who's done nothing but raise taxes in her twenty-year political career, dozens of times. Uh, would hurt this economy, would hurt families here. The over-regulatory burden uh, that this president, President Trump, has lifted uh, off of the American people so they can get the government off their back and out of their way and, and ha- have a little more, more freedom, both in their personal lives and in their business lives, is, uh, is important. Um, I think public safety is important. We have a huge crime issue here. Uh, Look at at the number of murders, the murder rate in St. Louis City. Look at the over nine officers that have been shot since uh, the beginning of this summer, Some, some of them. Uh, murdered. You know, m- my record is one of standing with our police and first responders. My record um, is, is one of always having their back and passing legislation and, uh, and being there for them uh, through thick and through thin. I'm the only person in this race who has the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police, the St. Louis Police Association, the firefighters. Not only has Jill Shoup um, associated herself. With, with radical left groups that are, are want to defund the police, like Indivisible St. Louis, who have send, said things about our law enforcement that I can't even say on the airwaves here. Not only are they her grassroots army working for her, but she has actually defunded the police. She has voted at least five times, at least five times in her 12 years in the Missouri legislature against public safety budgets. Uh, egregiously defunding corrections, the highway patrol, the state patrol, uh, many of our police uh, 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 grants and operations. She's voted five times. And even a Democrat governor like Jay Nixon uh, rebuked her and actually signed those into law. So she's uh, not kept done what I think is necessary to keep our um, uh, keep us safe uh, and sound and moving forward. So, um, I believe that that every candidate should run their own race and and stand on their own two feet. Not just the work that I do in D. C., but the work that I do here in St. Louis in our district office. We have great folks that are doing casework and constituent services, especially during COVID. And maybe this is a segue for you there. That's a great segue because
0: <laughs> I want to talk about the COVID response. In addition to talking about what Congress has done, because they have done a lot, even right. though a lot of people want them to do more, I want you to talk about what you think the Trump administration should have done differently. If you let's say you were President Wagner, which I know <laughs> you don't have any aspirations, what would you have done? What, what would you have done differently than the current administration? Because there's been a lot of criticism that Donald Trump does not have a nationwide plan for to deal with COVID, and it's been left to the states or localities to deal with.
1: Well, we're a federalist society, I will I will tell you. Now there has got to be leadership from the top. Uh, hindsight is always twenty-twenty. We are obviously we're on uncharted waters. I think the president did the right thing immediately by closing down our borders with China, and he took on great grief for that. But I supported him in um, in doing that, in pulling together the task force to, to coming about this with a, with a quote, whole of government approach has been very, very important. And coming at it in, in terms of how we deal with people's uh, uh, health and, and, and safety, uh, along with the therapeutics, the vaccines, um, the PPE, the um, hospitalizations, uh, how we keep our first... Uh, our, our frontline heroes in these hospitals and elsewhere safe. All of that has been has been key to this. I've been, been honored and proud of our Congress that came together four times, Jason, four times in a bipartisan fashion, starting with a supplemental bill, four pieces of legislation. It was not partisan. We came together. We spent trillions of dollars. We put liquidity into this country to allow even some companies to, to stand up on their own and 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 um, uh, access private capital to do so but we helped those that that needed the the assistance because they were in trouble no fault of their own so you know offering the unemployment insurance benefits. Do you know how many of those cases we did in our district office? Hundreds and hundreds of those, helping people get their unemployment insurance benefits, helping them get their stimulus checks, helping them. Most, uh, one of the, the greatest things we did, and I was very involved as a member of the Financial Services Committee, was the PPP small business loans, which kept employer employees attached to their employers. And um, this is a program that I want to continue. and what I'm'm I'm, I'm angry with is that you know, on top of all that we have done, including helping our hospitals, helping our state and local governments, helping um, uh, our schools uh, reopen safely, all the money that's gone towards this, uh, we are now it has now been turned into, I believe by, by Nancy Pelosi, who Jill Shoup wants to go and vote for and serve with in the the U.S. Congress. Um, uh, Speaker Pelosi has made this a political football. She has had no intention since May of passing a stimulus or COVID relief package of any consequence. So what I want to do, and we're on 24-hour notice, I want to go back we have another $138 billion in PPP money from the CARES Act that we could give to retailers, restaurants, hotel, uh, uh, entertainment, uh, some of the industries that have been really hard hit and giving them some of these forgivable loans and helping them keep their doors open and, and, and their employees employed. Um, I want to make sure that we're, emplo- that we're providing health care. Um, with premium assistance at no additional cost for those that have been unemployed. I want to make sure our child care centers have money. I want to make sure our schools can open safely. Those are things we all agree on. There's nothing partisan about any of that. Where Speaker Pelosi has made this partisan is putting forward packages with issues that have nothing to do with COVID relief. We need to get back. There are things that we can do. I hate to see this used as a political football because what we have right now Is there a Speaker of the House and Democrat obstructionists that are trying to, uh, to really, you know, for political gain, uh, impose, I think, pain on our economy and on families that are suffering. And that's not okay. I'm here, as I said before, to get things done and to work on behalf of my constituents.
0: Since so I asked Jill Shoup this question, and I know this is more of a philosophical question because you do not vote on Supreme Court nominees, mm-hmm. what do you think of President Trump's decision to nominate uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court? Let's say you were Senator Wagner. <laughs> would you vote for her at this point?
1: Oh, I I would I would absolutely wholeheartedly support uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, I have, have followed her. Her career and her her uh, time here on the on the Seventh Circuit uh, appellate court, I think she is is well qualified and a jurist that most of all, what we're looking for, Jason, is someone who's going to follow the Constitution, who doesn't legislate from the bench. I think she is is extremely uh, well qualified, and I've watched some just some bits and pieces. Um, over the last to be candid, I have watched
0: nothing. I have not <laughs> seen anything. I haven't seen like Senator Holly ask her ask her question because I've been so busy doing these podcasts. I think the big contention from Democrats is like, well, Merrick Garland was not even heard, and you know this is too close to the election. And I think there's also the ideological questions about whether. Barrett is going to be too extreme on things like abortion and other things. I'm sure you've heard a lot of that from those hearings.
1: Sure, you know, um, uh, certainly they're doing whatever they can to discredit her, but I'll I'll tell you, she's sitting there with a blank piece of paper, no notes. She is straight face-to-face with these senators, and I have never seen anybody with the kind of of intellect and and recall. And to me, the big thing about the Supreme Court, Jason, is what— it's what uh vice president biden is doing which is not even answering the question dodging it time and time and time again about packing the court i mean roosevelt tried this A Long time ago. By the way,
0: that's the term that's used to add more seats to the Supreme Court. And then uh, the idea would be if Biden wins, he would get to add more people that he nominated.
1: Not only does, and and by his non answer and evasiveness on this, I believe yes, he's he's given the American people his answer, and so has Kamala Harris. But when it comes to the ACA, and I know that's an issue that'll be coming coming up, um, I can tell you that uh, that will probably be coming before. Uh, the Supreme Court. I think that uh, uh, Judge, and I hope soon to be Justice uh, Amy Coney uh, Barrett, has uh, has answered uh, quite successfully in terms of of her being impartial and fair, and again a strict constitutionalist on uh, on this issue. And I can say that so much of the ACA, or of, of, uh, some know it as Obamacare, has already been struck down by the courts. Uh, uh, after the individual mandate uh, fell, it was really just left as a, as a, as a shell, uh, Jason. And uh, I can tell you that in Missouri's 2nd Congressional District, just to kind of put things in perspective for folks, mm-hmm. the number of people, the percentage of people on Obamacare of our population is 4%. But 77% of this district receives their health care through private employer Healthcare insurance through their employer, private employer, another 12 to 13% receive it. These are Census Bureau numbers. Another 12 to 13% receive it from Medicare Advantage or Medicare as they know it right now. So, you know, under my my opponent, Jill Shoup's plan, which is, again, Medicare for All. And she can try and dispute it now, but she's got at least two standalone bills. They were, n-
0: they were, they, I'm just going to respond to what she said. They were non-binding resolutions in 2011 and 2012. And it, I think she would say, like, that wasn't Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All. That was something completely It was different.
1: worse. It was Conyers' Medicare for All. It was it was Medicare for All. It was <laughs> full control of the government control of healthcare <laughs> before... Uh, before, you know, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren made it cool. And let me just also say that Jill Shoup was then and is still now part of a group of legislators nationally called the Progressive State Legislators. They actually, Jason, sent a letter to President, it was then President Obama, telling him that Obamacare didn't go far enough. And then she went about, after it was done, to impose full-on Medicare for all, which would take away, and this is what people have to understand, you know, not only does it cost $30 trillion, not only is it going to be a a tax increase uh, and a burden for middle-class families, the biggest thing is for a a district like this, where 77% get their uh, their, health care through a private employer, they will lose their healthcare as they know it, the company that you worked for right now that 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 provides healthcare for you, if you're a senior on on Medicare, you're gonna if you're a, a veteran on VA, this this bill of hers even goes after the VA, uh, so it would completely be wiped out. You would have a single single payer uh, system that I think is just untenable. There are two things about the ACA and Obamacare that. Are, are very important that I have always stood by and we must keep. One is allowing pe- uh, young people that, that are 26 years of age or younger to stay on their parents' insurance if their parents choose to. That's their parents' decision. But they can stay on their parents' in- in health insurance until age 26. Uh, the second thing and the most important thing, and I want to constantly set the record straight yes, on this. Yes, because
0: I think all the ad, a lot of democratic ads are saying like you voted for this bill this bill and this bill that did away with pre-existing conditions. <laughs> a- that's been actually an attack on you since Forever. 2018 basically. Forever.
1: And and they do it they do it uh, uh nationally and I have to tell you it is it is it is, is so uh dishonest. It, it, that's the kindest thing I can say about it. I have always supported protecting those with pre-existing conditions. I have voted four times in this Congress alone. To make sure that people with pre-existing conditions get to keep them, no matter what. In fact, one of the pieces of legislation legislation that I am most proud of uh, of sponsoring and putting forward would actually put your right to coverage of your pre-existing condition in your HIPAA rights. Make it a fundamental right. Everybody knows they sign their HIPAA papers when they go to the doctor or the hospital or or whatever, but it would be a HIPAA right that no one could touch, including the courts. The courts couldn't touch it either. So whatever happens with the ACA, it would not be touched.
0: We'll be right back after this short break with Congresswoman Ann Wagner. And we're back on politically speaking with Congresswoman Ann Wagner. So we did do a show with uh, Senator Shoup, and she said she doesn't support Medicare for all, but she does support the public option thing. That uh, same that, thing. Can you explain like why that's not good? Same thing. Example?
1: Same thing. It's it's just um uh, it's 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 Medicare for all light. It's just another way of rephrasing it. She is for full on government control, and I'm one who believes. The people know best. This needs to be in the in the private sector. There are things that we can do. What what people in the 2nd District want is access to care, choice, and they want it at a lower cost. That's what they want. And they want to be able to tailor their health care needs and their health insurance needs to what their family is. You know, uh, my young son just needs catastrophic care. He says to me, why do I have to pay for for?" Uh, pediatric dental. I, I don't even have a girlfriend, let alone you know <laughs> a wife and children. Um, oh, this one-size-fits-all federal government approach just does, does not work. We need association health care plans. We need to be able to purchase this across state lines, okay, just like you do your car insurance, any other kind of insurance that's, uh, that's, uh, that's out there, your life insurance, all of it. Uh, you need to, to um, as I said, catastrophic uh, co-op plans allow for industries to come together. Farmers, the Farm Bureau could have its own uh, plan and group they could offer to their members. Uh, uh, teachers could, other, all sorts of different groups could have their own different co-op plan. Uh, the key here is if you put it back in the private sector, you let people you know, uh, uh, tailor it to what they need and what fits their lifetime need and and have the portability to take it with them, Uh, then prices will come down and people have the freedoms that they want to to choose the doctors that they have. Right now, most people in America have just one provider that's left in Obamacare, the way that it has been, or ACA, the way that it has been, um, uh, has developed over time here. So it's failed and it's time that we move forward.
0: One of the things that you voted on, and this may seem like a million years ago, but this was late 2019, was whether to impeach Donald Trump. You voted no. And I'm really interested to ask you this question, because a lot of the questions about whether he should stay in office centered around his treatment of ambassadors and foreign affairs people. You're a former ambassador yourself. Um, I'm sure you watched the hearings and maybe were like, I don't think he should be thrown out of office, but the way Trump was treating some of these career diplomats was like wholly inappropriate. So beyond responding to that, I want you to explain why you voted not to impeach Trump. Well,
1: you know, we took that vote in December of 2019. Um, I believe that, uh, frankly, this has been uh, since, frankly, before the president even took office uh, in, in, in January. Uh, uh 21st when he was inaugurated uh, that the there are so many uh, in the federal government at the bureaucratic level and Democrats in Congress that have been trying to go after this president and overthrow a duly elected president. I believe that and I sat in on some of the of the hearings because I, I sit on the foreign Affairs committee. so I was allowed to, uh, to participate in in a, in a number of them that were also poorly done down in a, in a what's called a skiff, in a secure location where the people couldn't actually even see what was going on. So it should have been done in a much more open uh, forum. But it was political. I can assure you that Adam Schiff and the entire team, it was nothing but the trying to overturn an election. Uh, everything that they went after him on, um, uh, he was exonerated of. And, uh, you know, can you, can you, if people serve at the president's um pleasure. They just do. I was a former U.S. ambassador. I served at the pleasure of, of George W. Bush. Uh, President Obama asked me to stay on for a, a short period of time to finish up a treaty that I was working on. But but y- you serve at their pleasure. And um, they can uh, discharge you for whatever reason they want if they have someone that they want to replace you with. So, you know, I, I believe the it was disgraceful what was done in the House. Uh, I was glad that the Senate swiftly disposed of it. And, uh, and frankly, what is even mo- more upsetting is I, I listen to some of my colleagues on the other side of the, of the aisle that actually would like another shot at impeachment when it comes to this president. Like I said, I don't always agree with the tactics, the tone, the tenor of this president. Um, but he is duly elected. And, um, and frankly— You know uh, the democrats uh uh, you've heard them complaining about the the peaceful transition of power and things of this nature uh and whether or not president trump's going to allow that to go yeah because he hasn't
0: said he would do that
1: well it will go forward i can assure you there will be a new president inaugurated on january 21st and um and our process uh will will go on as it always um has but uh, but they talk about the peaceful transition of power and, and respecting uh, our, our process when I really do believe that they have been trying to impeach and uh, get rid of a duly elected president for, I'm not going to say three years, I'm going to say for approaching four years now. So um, it was purely political and a very sad day, I think, uh, when it goes down on full-on partisan lines in the House. I mean, we always have crossover. I vote a number of times over with my Democrat colleagues on a number of issues. But there was not one Republican in the House that voted for this. And obviously, um, it, it, it didn't pass the mustard in the Senate.
0: Now, before we talk about the campaign, I did talk with Senator Shipp about some foreign policy issues, specifically mm-hmm. whether America should stay in Afghanistan, mm. because I think that if you are reelected, that's going to become a bigger issue in the next two to three years. Now, your son is in the military. I don't know if he's ever been to Afghanistan or Iraq, but I'm sure you have some thoughts on this since I asked Senator Shoup about it. I want to ask you, should we remain in Afghanistan for much longer? Well,
1: thank you for the question, and I can tell you it's very personal to me. Yes, I do have a son who uh, was an infantry officer who served and did tour of duty in, uh, in Afghanistan. And I will tell you as a, as a mother and now, now that that young man has two, two young babies, I spent a lot of hours on, uh, my knees in prayer for him and his safety and that of, of, uh, of, uh, those that he served with and of, of his command. And, um, you know, Jason, everyone is tired of endless wars. Okay. They just simply, uh, are, but we have got to, to protect our, nat- our nation from any kind of emerging threats. Um, I believe that, that the safety, the security uh, of the American people has got to be first and foremost. And I, What I think it's important to do uh, for any commander-in-chief uh, is to listen to the military leaders and the commanders on the ground. Uh, that is where you're gonna get your best information. I think you've seen a number of, of troops pulled out of Afghanistan. Uh, I do believe that we are moving in that direction with some of the treaties that are, are being signed and going forward, but we cannot let our guard down. Those that wanna do away with our, uh, with, uh, with our American way of life, uh, our democracy, you know, our, our values, everything that we stand for and believe are still on the march. They, they absolutely are. And our national security has got to be first and um, and in the forefront. And I say that as someone who has, is, who is, you know, proudly offered up her own son in the, the service to keep us safe.
0: So let's talk about the campaign. I, I try not to watch that much television, but when I'm watching KSDK... <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> I mean, I have two small children, and I, again, I'm recording 10,000 of these shows. But when I'm watching KSDK and they go to commercial, it's like... Ann Wagner lies. Jill Shoup lies. Every, they, you It know, goes back and forth between you two. And the messaging is basically the same because your ads and her ads are kind of mirroring national groups that are also spending a lot of money. And um, I do want to, since I also went through some of the attacks against Shoup, I want to go through some of the attacks against you that are being thrown against you. One is that... You have uh, enriched yourself in office, and your net worth has gone up, and you flew on private planes. Yeah, it's a, and I want you to, I want you egregious. to, I want to give you a chance to respond to that because that seems to be uh, pretty hard hitting, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, the, 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 uh, the character attack that has been launched by Jill Shoup's, i, I call them her dark money donors. Uh, there are three uh, of her Democrat organizations that have come in, including Emily's List, which is uh, with what Women's Vote is, which are the, the, the pro-abortion lobby, of which she is very extreme in her positions on abortion in terms of uh, Jill Shoup's belief in third-term abortion, partial birth abortion, voting against the Born Alive Bill, all of those things. And just
0: just for our listeners, explain what your position is. You're opposed to abortion with the exception of... of,
1: rape, incest, and life of the mother. Continue. And um, uh, so, uh, and and have sponsored legislation like the 20-year pain-capable, the Born Alive Bill, things of that nature. I am strongly pro-life.
0: It's it's important for voters to know that. It is important for
1: voters to know that. And uh, so, yes, her dark money groups have, have, uh, well, I don't know what to call it other than just straight-out lies. I have never voted to raise my pay. In fact, I have voted six times for pay not to be raised for members of Congress. And let me be clear, in addition to that, uh, as I I was mentioning to you earlier, uh, there have been three government shutdowns, during, sadly, during my coming up on eight years in Congress. I'm only finishing up my fourth term here. So— three government pay, ta- pay uh, shutdowns. And each time I have vo- I have asked the administrative office to withhold my pay. So my pay has been uh, uh, shut down just like other workers out there during a government shutdown. And then I even went so far is to take that pay on several occasions and donate it to charities, a military support group charity, a sex trafficking safe house for women, um, and children and, uh, for an Alzheimer's association. So I have never taken a pay raise. I have never voted for a pay raise. Uh, I have in fact voted against them. I have never flown on a private jet or corporate jet. It is illegal to do so in Congress. It is illegal to do so. And I have voted to make sure that those kinds of luxury flights, um, and those kinds of, of uh, uh, private jet opportunities are not available for members of Congress, and I have never flown first class at the taxpayers' expense. Uh, I laughed with a group the other day. Unless you want to, uh, I usually fly Southwest Airlines almost exclusively, and um, not not a promo for them. I have flown some on American Airlines, but I fly Southwest Airlines now. They claim that every seat is first class. So I don't know. Maybe that's how she's trying to lie her way through this. But but the fact of the matter is that kind of a character attack is egregious against my family and against me. And I think it has no place in politics. I have stuck to voting record issues. I have stuck to the fact that Jill Shoup has voted dozens of times, dozens of times, to support tax increases, both on the school board, city council and at the um uh, at her legislative level it's not just income taxes it's stuff that people really get mad about it's property taxes several times on the school board once she even proposed a 21 percent sales or a property tax increase she has voted for sales tax increases utility tax car taxes Gas taxes, you name it, Jill Shoup has voted for or supported those kinds of tax increases. So I'm going to talk about her record. I'm going to talk about her record when it comes to socialized medicine and taking away your private insurer health care and your uh, private, pardon me, private employer health care and your Medicare for all and your veterans um, uh, uh, services. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about her record to not just associate with those that would defund and disparage our police and and first responders, but the fact that she's voted five times for budgets, public safety budgets, to gut them. So I'm going to stick to her record to the extent that I can, and I'm going to defend mine on things like pre-existing conditions and um, uh, and voting to lower prescription drug costs, as I have. We had two competing bills. The Democrats had H.R. 19. We had H.R. 3. Mm-hmm. And um, ours uh, did incredible things for insulin for seniors. Because we- that's
0: another line of attack that's like you took X amount of money from the pharmaceutical industry over your career, and therefore you're in the pocket of yeah. theirs. I think that's a pretty similar attack to what they're doing, like against Rodney Davis, too.
1: Yeah, you and- know, I could do the same thing against Jill Shoup. I haven't, but do you know where all her money's come from? Two places in her career. Because again, it's a 20 year career. Mm-hmm. The trial attorneys, the trial bar, okay, mm-hmm. those ambulance chasers, the underbelly that cost business and industry, and at the end of the day, real consumers, uh, the costs to go up. And she's actually taken corporate money. LLCs, real corporations, funded her 20-year career. You can't do that in Congress, and I'm not saying that she's taken that in her run for Congress, but her 20-year legislative career as she moved from one government job to another Mm -hmm. has been funded by corporations and trial lawyers.
0: So this is my final question for you. Uh, Your great friend, former U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, and I made a friendly bet on twitter and no they're not great friends i'm kind of joking there she bet me uh, a big good of her choice that biden was going to get over 60 in st louis county and just for fun i took the under and said he's going to get under to be honest though congresswoman i'm not confident that i'm going to win that bet if i had to bet baked goods right now i think he's going to get over 60 and the the going back to 2018, you basically tied with Court Van Ostrom in St. Louis County. The more percentage you lose by in St. Louis County, the harder it is for you to make up in in St. Charles County and Jeffco. Are you confident that Trump is going to be under that 60% mark? And are you worried about St. Louis County going so far to the left that no matter what you do, no matter what your message is, you lose because St. Louis County is too democratic now. Well,
1: I, as I said before, Jason, I, I do believe that um, uh, I stand on my independence uh, from anyone uh, else in public office. I run my, my my I do my own work. I run my own races. Um, the way I represent folks is independent of others, and I believe that I, I have shown that both in the in the effective work that I've gotten done fighting for the uh, the values. That, that really represent this um, this district. Uh, you know, I have, because St. Louis County has both the first congressional district and second congressional district in it, it's very difficult to know what, uh, uh, where the overall St. Louis County number will, co- will yes. come in. I do believe that Donald Trump will win the second congressional district portion of St. Louis County. That's all I can speak to. I can't speak to, to the, the portion that's, uh, that, that uh, Senator Clay uh, uh, currently represents up in North St. Louis County, and he, he represents the entire city of St. Louis, Clay. too. Congressman Clay.
0: I'm sure he wishes he was a senator. Oh, did I
1: say senator? I was thinking Senator McCaskill, Congressman Clay. Congressman Clay, yes. And uh, uh, so I can't speak to that, but uh, but I, I, I can speak to the 2nd District. Um, you know, like I said, this is a race that there two people couldn't be more more different and more distinguishable and i'm i'm sad that saddened that the uh, what's been represented on in the media the paid media and on tv and such and you're getting it in your mail and you're getting it on your digital um hasn't um you know uh, hasn't always covered all the issues like we are today jason i wish i could do this all day long with people i've done over 10 of these kinds of public forums before covid um open forum town halls throughout the district, from Arnold, to O'Fallon, to Bridgeton, to Ellisville. And that's to, pushing
0: back against people that said you've never done a yeah, I do them
1: all the time. I don't know where they, and they get mailed. We send them out to those zip codes. They meet with me. I come to them. So they'll go to the Bridgeton City Hall. They'll go to the Creve Corps uh, 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 City Hall. They come in, and, we, and we, we meet there in a safe environment where they feel safe, I feel safe, and we can have discussions about whatever it is that they would like to talk about so so i believe i've been uh open and um and and transparent um i i believe this uh, that that this race is really about who represents your values who's going to keep your taxes lower who's going to keep your health care safe who's going to make sure that we recover from covid 19 and make sure that this economy gets back to the robust place that it was last January with record numbers. And I am committed to making sure that that happens. And, um, and I'm committed to keeping you safe and secure, both uh, nationally, as we talked about, in, in terms of, of, of foreign threats, and also your own personal safety and security uh, by supporting our, our, our police and first responders and those who um, have endorsed and supported me. So um, I want everyone to get out there and, and vote and uh, make sure that, uh, uh, that their voices are heard and representative, represented. Don't be afraid. Um, I believe every vote matters and counts. And in, here in, in uh, the second congressional district and the state of Missouri, we're gonna get it right. Um, we're gonna get it right. So I just thank you for the opportunity to, to actually discuss issues. <laughs>
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Congresswoman. And follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How can people follow you on Twitter or learn more about your campaign?
1: AnnWagner.com or nlwagner. Wagner.
0: Thank you very much. Until next time. So long.